Picture this. Within 24 hours of quitting this drug, your withdrawal symptoms begin. You notice that you feel mentally foggy and you lack alertness. You feel physically fatigued and you may even be more irritable than usual. Maybe you have a throbbing headache set in. As your body protests having this drug taken away, you might even feel dull muscle pains, nausea, and other flu-like symptoms. This isn't tobacco. This isn't alcohol withdrawal. This, my friends, is detoxing from caffeine, a drug that more than 80% of us consume daily, and by far the world's singular most popular psychoactive drug. (sighs) And I love it so much. This detox, it doesn't sound fun, and it doesn't sound easy, and we're still doing it. Stick around, and I'll tell you about our upcoming 21 Days Without Caffeine Challenge, or as I call it, the dumbest idea we've ever had that just might be good for you. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss, to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey, you're on air with Ella, and it's Ella. Listen, for those of you who may be new to the show, first of all, welcome, and secondly, Know that my partner in crime, Tilly Harris, and I, we dreamed up these 21-day challenges to do every month, starting on the first day of the month. And we try to alternate between taking something on, like 21 days of movement in October, and giving something up, like going booze-free in September. And we're using these challenges to test ourselves and to see how we respond to challenge, you know, to new habits, how we respond physically, how we respond mentally, and even how we respond emotionally. And we learn from each other because so many of you are doing these challenges with us. Enter November's challenge. If you're on the On Air with Ella mailing list, then you heard before anyone else that we're giving up caffeine for 21 days in November. Again, for those of you who don't know, these monthly challenges are free. You can join by clicking in the links that I'll provide in the description for the show, or you can just go to On Air with Ella and search by this episode number, okay? But This week, I emailed you guys and I said, here's what we're doing in November. And when I told you that we were giving up caffeine for 21 days, some of you, you just blatantly freaked. (laughs) And I, I was first in line on the freak out, by the way. Okay. We gave up alcohol. All right. We took on movement for 21 days. Kind of fun. Really lovely. But take away my favorite drug in the world. Okay. My only drug, but whatever. I'm at a total loss. I'm not even pretending to be happy about it. But that's the point. Anything that I cannot live without, it needs to be looked at. And so when Tilly suggested it, I hated it and we're doing it. (laughs) Today, I want to share with you what my relationship with caffeine is like very briefly, but then get into some of the benefits of not giving it up forever, my friends, because I'm not here to demonize coffee, but to talk about the health benefits of taking a break. And as it turns out, there are a lot of them. So I'm going to dive into some of those benefits with you today. And I want to share with you some of the things that we're going to be doing with this challenge with everybody who joins us. It's going to be amazing. But first, a voicemail from Nicole. 
Wow. Run your own race. I've never heard a jack of all trades and a master of none used in such a positive connotation. It's always been negative. So that was just a great, insightful way of getting that message across. And thanks so much for using your time, your resources for allowing us to get to learn from them and grow from them also. It is truly appreciated. Keep it up. Thanks, Ella. Ah, oh, thank you, Nicole. That was so cool. You guys, you know, you can leave messages for Tilly and myself at onairwithella.com. It's right there. It says record a message. You can leave us a question to answer on the show. You can leave us feedback, anything you want. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, let's start with my relationship with coffee. I drink coffee in the morning, which is fine. It would be normal. It would be healthy, except my mug is not really a mug so much as it is a vat. I'm thinking I'm probably drinking in one mug's worth. I'm drinking 14 ounces of coffee. And then I have another mug and then I have half of another mug. So I am having, you know, somewhere around five servings of coffee before I even begin my day. That's on an empty stomach, by the way. Then after lunch, when I am doing an afternoon workout, I go to the refrigerator and I pour myself half of a cup of cold brew coffee. Cold brew coffee is often sometimes packaged as a concentrate. So half a cup doesn't sound like much. Four ounces doesn't sound like much. It is like jet fuel, my friends. And I literally treat it like a drug. I mean, like the drug that it is. I take that hit of jet fuel. I wait about 15 minutes and then I go for a run or power through my workout. I mean, I'm honestly reliant on it. And that scares me a little bit. I love it, but I don't want to overlove it. I want to keep coffee in my life, but I don't want to need it like with a capital N. I am really looking forward to taking a break, to testing myself, and then reintroducing coffee so that I can sort of normalize my relationship with it just a little bit and not be so utterly reliant on it. And I confess, I am utterly reliant on it. Can any of you guys relate? Today, I want to talk about why we would even do this from mostly a health and wellness point of view. We're going to talk much more about mindset and habits and all of that stuff that we love to dive into in the challenge itself. So you'll want to join us there. In fact, a couple of the other things we're going to be talking about in this challenge is withdrawal symptoms and resetting our tolerance and the actual addiction part of this relationship with caffeine and how your genetics affect this and whether you're a fast metabolizer or a slow metabolizer. We're going to talk about caffeine and exercise. We're going to talk about caffeine and mental health and oral health and digestive health and sleep and adrenal fatigue. We have so many things that we want to talk to you about. Today, I'm going to hit the highlights. Tell those of you who were freaking out about this challenge why it might be a good idea for you to get on board and take a little tiny break, just 21 days from caffeine. Today's show is brought to you by you. That's right. We're listener supported. If you've ever asked how to support the show, wherever you are in the world, this is how. You can put a tip in the tip jar at patreon.com, the On Air with Ella page. That's patreon.com slash On Air with Ella. Listeners give everything from a dollar or a pound to more. That one dollar, that one pound may not be much to you, but when you all come together, it adds up and it definitely helps offset the cost of producing the show and hosting the show. So consider becoming a patron today. Details can be found in the show notes. I always put a link in there or at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com on air with Ella. Thanks guys. 
Okay, caffeine and whether it's healthy or not is really a matter of dosage and a matter of your own metabolism, okay? So let's acknowledge that, but what I'm going to be talking about today is in very general and generic terms. So I'm not speaking for you and for your body. I'm introducing you to the impact that caffeine has in some ways that we've never thought about it before. But I do wanna just flag at the outset of this conversation that how you metabolize caffeine, what impact it has on you personally, what dosage is good, better, best, or bad, for you is entirely up to your body. Let's talk in general terms for the purposes of today, okay? Here are some signs that you may need to consider taking a little break from caffeine. If you are experiencing symptoms of adrenal fatigue, low thyroid function, or any kind of autoimmune condition. So if you're having low body temperature, you're feeling cold all the time, or you have cold hands and feet, or you're not sleeping well, or you're constantly fatigued, constantly fatigued, or you're gaining weight inexplicably and nothing really significant in your life changed. If you are not handling stress very well, if you're having major digestive upset, if you're having a weakened immune system, these are all signs that your body needs rest and as little stress as possible. And that means no stimulants and that means no caffeine. So for those who even know that they're suffering from autoimmune in some condition or anyone suffering from adrenal fatigue in general, those do not play well with coffee or high caffeine intake. Okay. That's no joke. Number two, if you're feeling no physical effect from caffeine consumption at all. So when you take a drug, when you take a stimulant and you don't feel any kind of effect, that is a likely sign that you've overdone it and that it may be time for a break. All right, this is me, feeling like you need caffeine in the afternoon. If I could just keep my coffee consumption to the morning, I know I would be healthier, but if you notice that your energy levels are dipping in the afternoon and they just plummet, and the first thing that comes to your mind is caffeine, it may be time to take a break. Getting on a caffeine roller coaster can lead to the adrenal issues that we just talked about, and it certainly can lead you to a dependence in the way that I'm experiencing. So just a flag to pay attention to. And one more, and this is a huge issue for me and for so many of us, if you have digestive disorder or gut disorder, poor gut health or leaky gut, irritable bowel syndrome, even gluten sensitivity, you should be approaching coffee with caution anyway. So this is not as widely discussed as gluten sensitivity, but coffee is one of the most common cross-reactive foods. So your body actually can mistake coffee proteins for gluten. Like what kind of nonsense is that? That means that just like it would produce antibodies to attack gluten, which then causes inflammation, et cetera, et cetera, it may be doing the same thing with coffee, depending on your sensitivity. Okay, that's no joke. So when you take the gut health and the autoimmune considerations, coffee intensifies symptoms of bowel conditions. Certain enzymes in coffee trigger an immune response that results in inflammation, bloating, cramping, etc. This is worth paying attention to. Like anytime you can approach me from a gut health position, like it's a little bit easier to get my attention than to be like, give up your morning coffee, which doesn't sound like fun at all. And I'm specifically talking about coffee today. We're going to talk a lot about sodas and energy drinks and that sort of thing in the challenge. But today, it's really about coffee. That's where not all of us, but many of us are living is in our coffee addiction. Okay, so the main downside to coffee is that it's highly, highly acidic. And this acidity can have repercussions on the gut, obviously. A couple of ways. Caffeine stimulates the stomach cells to release more hydrochloric acid. So that sometimes can actually 
aid digestion. So like a little bit of coffee with a meal can actually stimulate your digestive fire. But regular coffee drinking in the morning on an empty stomach, it reduces the amount of stomach acid available for digestion later on. H. pylori bacteria, that's the main bacteria responsible for ulcers. H. pylori bacteria prefer a highly acidic environment. So when you're drinking coffee first, on an empty stomach, drinking coffee that way actually weakens the protective barrier of the stomach, the mucosal layer, and the risk of damage and ulcers increase. That acid hit on your gut in the morning can be no bueno if you're consuming more than the recommended dose. Now, the recommended dose, by the way, depends on who you ask. In general terms, they say no more than 400 milligrams of caffeine per day. That's about three normal size cups of coffee per day. That's three eight ounce cups of coffee per day. I don't know about you, but like I told you, my mug, it ain't eight ounces. It's a vat. So I'm drinking my entire serving of caffeine in half of a sitting. So before I get up from the kitchen table in the morning, you know, I've exceeded the recommended daily dose by 100% at least. For some people, the quote recommended daily dose is way too much. And for others, it's not nearly as detrimental. But let's just talk in general terms for the purposes of today's discussion, okay? If you drink too much coffee, whatever that ends up being for you, you may experience increased acid reflux, which is also known as heartburn, because coffee relaxes your esophagus, the sphincter in your esophagus. So that's that little gatekeeping muscle valve that allows food into the stomach, but make sure it doesn't come back up. So Stomach acid that escapes, it irritates the tissue of your esophagus. That's what acid reflux is. And coffee can intensify that or worsen it. But it also can affect your nutrient absorption in the gut. So when you're eating healthy, whole foods and treating your body right, coffee can reduce the retention and the absorption of minerals like magnesium and calcium and zinc and iron. Those are pretty critical. And when we overdo the coffee, we are inhibiting our body's ability to absorb them. You know, that's no joke if we're having too much. But let's extend out of the gut for a moment and let's touch on a few other areas of health and wellness that you may not realize over intake of caffeine might be worsening. PMS and menstrual cramps, super, super common, right? But they're actually not normal. They're actually a sign that something isn't quite right. So in perfect conditions, a woman wouldn't experience menstrual cramps. I'm just really learning more about that. Caffeine can make this a lot worse. It can make cramping a lot worse because it constricts blood vessels, okay? It also can cause headaches for the same reason, but it can increase cramping. One study found that cramps were twice as high in women with high caffeine intake than others. Yuck, right? Okay, stress. Caffeine can increase the release of cortisol, the stress hormone, and it can put your body in a state of stress even if you're not really fully aware of that. Have you experienced that? So when I have coffee in the morning, fine. When I have coffee in the afternoon, my cortisol is jacked. Like I'm shorter, I'm sort of snappier, not in a good way. And if I'm being honest, this is a direct correlation for me. How coffee affects your stress levels and your adrenal glands, it depends on you. As I've said, everybody's affected differently and your genetics play a role. But this is something you can probably pay attention to and observe sort of where that threshold is for you. Let's talk about sleep. So most of us know already that too much caffeine interferes with sleep, right? But do you know why? 
caffeine interferes with the hormone melatonin and melatonin is what is needed to produce good quality sleep. So now we're talking about cortisol and melatonin. We're talking about our hormonal health, which is kind of the linchpin to everything, right? We've talked about the gut. We've talked about hormones. Honestly, the more research I did in trying to rationalize this 21 day challenge for myself, the more I wanted to tell you about this because I wasn't really looking at the big picture. Now, I don't really suffer from anxiety. I'm not prone to anxiety, but many of us are, right? And caffeine is well known to increase anxiety. It can increase your heart rate. In fact, it's not recommended to people who have high blood pressure, and it can make symptoms that are related to anxiety far worse. So if you're suffering from anxiety or if you're in a season of anxiety, caffeine could really be exacerbating these symptoms for you. And it might be time to take a break with me, your friend Ella and Tilly. Come join us. All right, one more factor to consider. If you are in the fertile season of your life or if pregnancy is on your radar or will be, you probably have already heard that if you're pregnant, it's a good idea to cut down or stop caffeine altogether. And the reason why is that there are many, many studies that show that overconsumption of caffeine in pregnant mothers can lower the birth weight of their child. And lower birth weight, not good. It's associated with all kinds of risks, okay? But it's also a good idea to significantly reduce reduce or stop your caffeine intake ahead of time if you're planning a pregnancy. Research shows that over a certain level of caffeine, coffee specifically, pre-pregnancy leads to a higher risk of miscarriage. Now, again, these things are all subject to how you metabolize caffeine, but these are just considerations that I wanted to share with you. So we've talked about some of the reasons, some of the signs that you should be looking for to consider whether you should take a break from caffeine. So now let's talk about how, (laughs) because I'm going to tell you what I'm doing and what Tilly and I have agreed makes sense for us for this challenge. I'm going to tell you how we're approaching it, what we're doing and what we're not doing. And then we're going to talk about withdrawal. Okay. We will be giving up caffeine, not coffee, but caffeine. That means caffeinated teas. That means caffeinated coffees, caffeinated sodas, obviously. Are you sitting down? It means giving up dark chocolate. (laughs) I'm not happy about this. So dark chocolate, the darker it is, the better it is for you, okay? The less junk it has in it. So you generally want a higher percentage of cacao in your dark chocolate, right? I tend to go for 85% dark chocolate and it's really dark. It can almost be a little bit bitter and I love it. The lighter the chocolate, the less caffeine it has in it. The darker the chocolate, the more caffeine it has in it. One serving of dark chocolate can have 100 milligrams of caffeine. That is three quarters of a cup of coffee. (laughs) The main reason why dark chocolate made the list, if I'm being honest though, is because I don't want my body and brain to start telling me that I need more dark chocolate to compensate for the coffee that I'm not having. Because the last thing that we need to do in this 21 day challenge is to overconsume chocolate because we cannot consume coffee. So for that reason, I'm out. Here's what I'm not giving up. I am not giving up decaf coffee and neither is Tilly. Now she's not nearly as addicted as I am to caffeine and to coffee in general, but I have zero intention of giving up the ritual of my morning coffee. I am simply switching to decaf. I am not getting puritanical about the fact that decaf coffee has a small amount of caffeine because I want to succeed. I want to do this and I want to do the very best that I can. And that includes drinking decaf coffee. So just for those of you who are freaking 
freaking out about not having coffee in the morning whatsoever. Maybe there'll be a couple of days where I just do my hot water, lemon and ginger, maybe. But right now, I am not promising to take out decaf coffee. So if that helps any of you want to get on board with this, hop on. (laughs) So we agree that it will be interesting to see what happens to our skin, to our guts, to our stress levels, to our sleep if we take a three-week break from caffeine. But withdrawal, it's bound to happen, especially if you're addicted the way that I am. Caffeine is a drug. That's not hyperbole. It's a stimulant from a class of drugs called xanthines. Xanthines. And when you become dependent on caffeine, letting go of it can create a lot of unpleasant symptoms, if we're being honest. Headache, fatigue, and inability to concentrate, you know, brain fog and irritability. That doesn't sound like fun. And the more caffeine that you take in, the longer your withdrawal period is likely to be. So I'm figuring my withdrawal will be like eight years. I'm just kidding. You're supposed to see a real benefit in seven to nine days. The hardcore caffeine addicts like myself can expect to feel significantly better and no longer suffering from withdrawal symptoms after seven to nine days. Now, everything I'm reading is saying not to quit cold turkey. It is saying to reduce and to wean yourself off. That's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today, if you're listening to this in real time, was so that you can start switching to half-calf or start reducing your caffeine intake before the challenge starts on November 1st. 100% of the research says that that's the way to do it. Naturally, I'm quitting cold turkey. How typical, right? I am going full cold turkey. I'm not going to switch to half. I mean, I might make an effort to reduce my caffeine intake between now and the first day of the challenge, but I'm not switching to half-calf. And then on day one, I won't be relying on half-calf. I'm going completely decaf. And so I will be sharing my cold turkey experience with those of you who join us in the challenge. Okay, by the way, you can join the challenge just to watch. (laughs) If you just want to experience our pain and suffering, that's 100% legitimate. I'm going to be so interested to hear from you guys what you do and what type of effect that it has on you. I'm going cold turkey partly just to share that experience with you. It'll be good material. but you don't have to. I would encourage you to do the thing that lets you do it. So do the thing that lets you not quit. That would be my best suggestion for you wherever you are on the spectrum. All right, I'm going to link to some articles that I referenced in this podcast. I'm going to link to those if you want more information. Again, we're going to talk so much more about this in the challenge itself. If you need any guidance on how to join us, just ping me in social media and I'll get you there. But the link is in the description for this show. All right. So listen, we can do hard things. And if your body is telling you that it may be time to take a little tiny vacation from caffeine, from soda, from coffee, from however you roll, then join us. Let's see what happens. Half the benefit is just improving to ourselves that we can show up for ourselves. And we're going to keep finding ways to do that. Now, one last note about this group. December's challenge, you know, we're giving something up in November. That means we're taking something on in December. December's challenge is hands down my favorite challenge. It's going to be absolutely amazing and it has nothing to do with your physical health or physical fitness. So go ahead and join us now so that you can find out what's happening in December. All right, that's it. Can't wait to talk more about this. I'm genuinely terrified and super pumped. See you out there. 
Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.